and welcome back to another episode of Nebraska Soccer Talk. We've been away for a little bit, but now that the college game in the state of Nebraska, all the seasons have ended, we're here to cover it, kind of talk about what's happened. So today you've got myself joined alongside Owen Godberson. What's going on, gang? How's everybody doing? Merry early Christmas. Happy early holidays. And today we also have a very special guest back on the podcast with us for the first time in a little bit, Joe Cleary. Hey everyone, I'm glad to be back. We'll kind of go over why uh, everything of why I had to step away before we get into the college talk. So, yeah, so let's talk about that. Joe, we miss you. We wish we could have you back more often, but you do have other obligations. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, so I took a, a job at within the Creighton Athletic Department um, at, in academic services, uh, which obviously becomes a little bit of a conflict of interest generally for covering college soccer. So, um, but also there's some NCAA compliance rules with that um, in terms of talking about recruiting and also making money off of soccer-based stuff, athletic-based stuff. So that's why I had to step away from Nebraska Soccer Talk. Um, I won't be involved really in any of the high school stuff uh, or in any of the high school stuff. And I'm just coming on to talk college soccer because obviously I got to watch a lot of Creighton, but I watched a lot of a lot of the Nebraska college soccer teams play and I enjoy talking about it. So, and I'll be back on to talk Union Omaha probably this summer. Yeah, your so. presence has been missed. You know, we're trying to do the best, but you know, you left big footprints behind that we're trying to fill in. We're doing what we can though. I don't, I don't have the voice that Owen has. Oh, no, but you got a better looking face and that all, that's all that counts. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I'm excited to come talk. It was a good, it was a good year for college soccer in Nebraska. What yeah. a year it was. So, what a year. I mean, obviously you said you work for Creighton. So why don't we start there? The men's and women's programs both having pretty impressive seasons, obviously. So let's start with the women's team. They finished this season with a record of, let me just pull this up real quick. Make sure I've got all my notes set. They finished with a record of 8-4-8 eight, and, eight, and Big East play. Big East play. They finished four, three, and three, which was good enough for fourth, good enough to get them into the tournament. And of course, that is unfortunately where their season ended this year in the Big East tournament semifinals. But overall, not a bad season for the Blue Jays. They had some good wins down the stretch. They played well. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot to build off of from this team's performance this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the one thing about the the women's team for Creighton was they were in every game. I mean, they took fourth in the big East, but there's like a time where something like one bounce goes this way, one bounce goes that way. And they're looking at second place potentially. Um, and so, and they weren't ever really a team. I think don't think that any other big East team wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot of experience. They had a lot of upperclassmen and it'll just be interesting to see um, who all decides to come back and take, you know, their fifth year or their sixth year. Right, exactly. Um, but uh, I think I don't I don't think Aida Kardovich will be back um, for them, and she's been a pretty big presence for them. But Coach Ross Paul is doing a good job with with the women's program, and and they definitely showed it in their results. And they were in, like I said, in every game, even against oh, yeah. the heavy. I think they only had one blowout loss this year. Yeah, it looks like one away. blowout loss, number twenty three, Georgetown away yep. on the road. Always a tough game. And after that, they went on a winning streak. It kind of kickstarted them. They won like three or four straight, I think, something like yeah. that, or three straight. So, and I mean, they showed improvement down the stretch. I mean, the last time or the next time they met Georgetown, it was that semifinal game they lost in the Big East tournament, but it was only one nothing at that point. So it looks yeah. like it really grew throughout the season. And and they were right on the bubble too. Like I, you know, like that. That's always kind of the fun watch of you can watch the you know the RPI strength of schedule stuff to see where they're gonna fall. And them in Nebraska, both, and we'll talk about Nebraska, I'm sure, mm-hmm. a little bit later, but they were both right in there in that that mix of, like, if a couple results go different ways for either of them, they might be in the tournament this year. Yeah, so, again, lots to build off of. Uh, Coach Paul seems to be doing a great job at kind of building up, not really building up the program, I guess it's been around a while, but getting it to certain levels mm-hmm. that they might like to reach. Yeah, yeah good year for the Blue Jay women's soccer team. I believe there were some postseason honors for some of their players. Yeah, Aida Kardovich was all region again. So mm-hmm. yep. um, right. definitely didn't get as much love as maybe the men's side did. So, um, but 
still still a good season, good team. Excited to see what they do next fall. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be watching that very closely. And so the next up, uh, one of the bigger stories, if not the biggest, I suppose, of this fall soccer season in Nebraska was the Creighton men's soccer team and their performances this year. They they were absolutely sensational. They Looking at this team, they were so much fun to watch. They were so well-disciplined. And in a very short amount of time, Johnny Torres has them playing some champagne football. The game that you and I went to, Jack, in the uh, – in the postseason against Missouri State, they were it was freezing and they were pinging that round like it was nothing. I I was thoroughly impressed with Creighton this season, and obviously, you know, with the with the accolades that they've got, three of the players already being signed to to MLS sides, and uh, and I think the biggest story of all is the is the Herman Award candidate, the second team All American, somehow Duncan McGuire. I'm still, yeah. I'm still livid that he was second team. That still boils my blood. Appar- apparently, had something to do- apparently, it had something to do with the timing of the vote. But like, I mean, having been on the committees for United Soccer Coach stuff, both national rankings and player voting, like something happens every year where it's like, what? Like Vermont got a number one vote this year yeah. at the end of the season. It's like, what are we doing? Um, but yeah. Creighton, the men's team, went on, like, just a crazy run. I mean, they, like, were literally almost not even in the Big East tournament. Yeah, and then they made the semis. They fell back. They made the college cup. They fell backwards. They fell backwards into the Big East tournament. They lost their last game and needed, like, two other results in the Big East regular season to go their way for them to just be, like, the last seed in. And then after that, they didn't lose until the college cup. And, and man, on a different day, they, they probably beat Syracuse. Yeah, it, you know, so they just didn't quite get the bounces or the luck. But yeah, Duncan Duncan McGuire is just he put on a performance this year that I don't think will be topped in a long for a long time. So yeah, and I I don't want to say a performance like that came out of the blue because I mean we all yeah. we all know Duncan at on some level and we know the sort of you know work ethic he has and his character, but I mean statistically. Obviously, you look at last season to this season. I mean, it is just a preposterous improvement, I would say. What was it? Two goals? One goal last year? One goal. One, One goal, goal last year. I, I want just great pun there, Jack. Came out of the blue. <laughs> Proud of you for ah, that. Thank you. Thank you. But <laughs> one goal from Duncan last year. And then, forgive me, was it 23 and 22 or was it 24 and 23 this year? It's 23 goals in 24 games, which is just nuts. That, that's like, stupid. That's a- at the college level, that's ridiculous. Like it, like, and not to like. I haven't seen that level of finishing since Andre Shinyashiki, and that yeah, name still Denver, to this yeah. day gives me PTSD. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Owen, that, that, what that was um, what was the nickname you came up with recently for Duncan? The Holland of the Heartland. It's <laughs> 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 very. I, I think that's the best way you could describe Duncan McGuire is the Holland of the Heartland. He's so clinical. And he's like, here's the thing. Like, you remember Duncan as a baby faced, tiny freshman. To see where he is now, he put in the work in the gym off off the pitch as well. He is built like a brick, you know what house now. <laughs> and could not be like, could not be more impressed. Just the way he plays, the confidence that he showed this season, and rightfully so in the final three for the Herman. I, I mean, if he, he does, he needs to win it. I, I yeah, mean, he like, should, he but he probably it. won't. He should, but he and, and by the time this drops, if you're listening to this, we might know because isn't it first first week of January, right? So it's coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we'll might know, win, but yeah, we'll yeah, see. You, I would love to see Duncan McGuire win win the Herman Award. That mm-hmm. would be that would be sensational. Uh, and to see him at Orlando is going to be fun. To see Owen O'Malley at St. Louis will be really enjoyable. I, and then Charles Augusta Houston. It sounds like it sounds like uh, I saw on Twitter today that yeah Owen O'Malley, even though he's an attacker for Creighton, they're gonna look to play him more in like a wing back role in right. St. Louis, which is also kind of what he played a little bit. You could argue, yeah, Creighton. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I could see that working. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially because I think St. Louis wants to play. Well, they were saying during the MLS draft mm-hmm. broadcast that they want to play energy drink, energy drink football. Hmm. 
So like high level, high press, high. That's already a thing in New York. Correct me if I'm wrong with the Red (laughs) Red Bull. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then Charles Auguste will do, he'll do good at at Houston. And I'm sure we'll see several other guys get signed, either the MLS or USL Mm -hmm. clubs coming up. So yeah, really, really good year. Really fun year. I mean, they beat some of the best teams in, 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 uh, in college soccer. So. Yeah, and uh, it's a story that's grabbed a lot of the headlines this season. We'll probably talk about, probably specifically Duncan a little bit more on future episode. You know, yeah, we'll see. But wink, uh, wink, nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, now moving on, staying in the D1 ranks and just going down Dodge Street a little bit. Let's talk about the, you, sorry, the Omaha soccer program this past season. We'll start with the women's team. Yeah, Wait. your guys, your guys is alma maters. Our alma you mater. I'll let you. I'll let you take the lead on that. Summit League cool. champs, baby. Absolutely. So Owen, on the yeah. women's side, obviously, an extremely successful season, finishing third in the Summit League, regular season at least, with a record of let's just see that here. Record of seven, nine, and six overall. Four, two, and three in conference play. But importantly, in the Summit League tournament, they went two and zero. Let's talk about those victories against Oral Rock. Or sorry, two and zero or three and zero. I don't remember how many games they played there. Uh, oh yeah, because they expanded the tournament. The tournament was it was three and zero. It's three and zero because they had to play in the playing game. Yeah, yeah, I forgot they expanded the tournament. But yes, three and zero got to the finals, beat Oral Roberts. You and I were at that game, Owen. Let's talk about what that meant for the program. It was so uh, just part like off the field personally, like looking, knowing these people behind the scenes of the women's program at UNO. It made me so happy to see Tim Walters finally get a ring because that man deserves it. I I love Tim with he's he's such a great guy. He's such a great coach. And you could tell with how many alumni were at that game and that rushed the field with the fans. Yeah, the field storming was amazing. The field storming was fun. I was jealous I didn't get to be a part of it. <laughs> I was so mad I had to stay up in the booth for that. Um, but seeing how many UNO alumni rushed the field to to celebrate with Tim and to celebrate as an Omaha soccer community, that, that shows how good of a coach and how good of a guy he is. That He built a family. He built a core around this program. And, and some of those girls had been in finals before and had gotten their hearts broken. Yeah, and and to finally see this program win it in that dramatic a fashion was so much fun. And to think that this team is so young, Consmo you know, is right? a true freshman. There's so many underclassmen on this team that play pivotal roles. I think they're only losing what one player, Sophia Green. One, That's yeah, it. one or two probably. Yeah, I they're, think they're losing like one or two Green. players. They're coming back. Right, and they're they'll be right in the thick of it next year. Will they? Will they go back to back? Who knows? Only time will tell. But they definitely have the talent, and they'll definitely have the players coming back to where the women's soccer team will be a force in the summer league next year, and it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, and I, I I'll echo your statements on like yeah, you know Tim Tim Coach Walters is a is a great guy. He's been on. I mean, he was on the podcast a couple times before I had to step away, so like it was always nice. And then I actually coach. I help coach his daughter's team when he's away for uh for fall stuff. So like we got to know each other through that a little bit too. And you went uh sorry, not UNO, Omaha. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Omaha had a meat grinder of a schedule. I mean, he set them up with a tough non-conference schedule and they were entering conference play, you know, a little bit shaky record-wise. And then they were also dealing with a ton of adversity with injuries. I know um they didn't even have their full strength squad at the end of the year unfortunately um and that just but that just goes to show you the the game plan or the 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 preparation the game planning the culture that you have in a program to still get it done even when things aren't aren't going your way like there was a lot of adversity that 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 program and that team and that coaching staff had to face and they got through it and it was pretty cool to see that Uh, and he's done that for years putting that tough non-conference schedule because Mm -hmm. Iron sharpens iron. That's yeah. how you get the team to be really, really good. And 
Yeah, I, I was I was thoroughly impressed uh, with with this season from them, and and to see that final at Caniglia uh, with the shootout, with the crowd that was there, it, it was it was a really good way to cap off a really good year for the women's soccer program. Yeah, well deserved, well deserved after the last few years of being so, like you said, so close a couple different times. Yeah, obviously Tim Walters, regret to him earned the contract extension. Good to see him stick around a few more years. Overall, great season for the UNO women's soccer team. Sorry, Omaha women's soccer team. I went there. You can say it. You're an alumni. It's fine. You're right. You're right. That's fair. But, yeah, I'm very excited to see where the future leads. And I'm also very excited to see where the future leads for the Omaha men's soccer team. Moving over to them, it was their first year under new head coach Donovan Dowling. Personally, for me, and probably for a lot of people, he's a little bit of an unknown coming from Louisville where he acted as an assistant coach. But in his first season, he got the team out to an 8-6-2 and two record, 5-2-1 and one in conference play, finished third in the Summit League, narrowly lost in the Summit League finals to Denver. But overall, for a first season for a new head coach, not a bad yeah, season I, at all. I didn't – I'll be honest, I didn't know what to expect from Omaha's men's team. Uh, not only did they lose, you know, a, a coaching staff changeover, but they had a lot of players that, you know, graduated or or left from that last year's team. Um, and they did, he, he, they did a good job. I mean, it's, it's good. It's a good thing um, to see when, you know, two, two, two programs in Omaha can both be successful in different ways. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know what the future holds for them, but it's, it's exciting. I mean, coach Dowling comes from Louisville and like, I mean, he has the he had, he brought in the recruiting chops uh, from from there. I mean, he was a great recruiter for that program. Um, be a, maybe he'd be a great recruiter and obviously a good coach for the Omaha program and take them to some new places too. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see how the team's going to look in a year, two years when he's able to get you know his players in. An interesting lineup from Omaha this year. I mean, their entire starting eleven in almost every single game was international students so it was it had a very interesting kind of unique flavor to it um Owen I think one player you want to talk on that you kind of liked his play was Gonzalo Cuevas uh formerly of Iowa Western made the transition to Omaha this year played in more of the outside back position and he looked kind of resurgent you know he looked like a great attacking option down the flanks good but you know good on both sides of the ball solid little play right yeah, I you know me, I'm I'm a sucker for a good fullback. I I love the way the modern fullback plays. Uh, and to step up uh into some pretty big shoes left by Stevie C. Uh, to to have Cuevas kind of pop up and, and fill those shoes really well. And I, I think one thing you could always look at Stevie C.'s game that that he wasn't really uh, attacking wise or offensively. He was good. But he wasn't sent like that wasn't his strength. His strength was durability and his strength mm-hmm. was his defensive capabilities. And I think Cuevas kind of he's not as defensively sound, but he brings more going forward for the Mavericks. So I I kind of like that change at the fullback position. I think he's going to be really good. I went to uh, went to a couple of games with my dad and my brother this year and we got to sit in the corner kick club. And I remember and I can't remember the opponent. There was. That was a beautiful headed goal that the Mavs had, and I it was Cuevas' sides. We were, we saw the right back come up, take the ball around the defender, whip in a delicious ball into the box, and it was a great headed finish. Uh, just seeing that angle from that pass uh, from that fullback play, I was thoroughly impressed. I really liked Cuevas. I also really liked the goalkeeping pool this year. I mean, Salah is obviously a sensational goalkeeper, and for him to have had to go out. Um, this season and for uh Lugo Portero to step up, which by the way, might be one of the best names for a goalkeeper I've ever seen for those non-bilingual folks or those who don't know Spanish. Uh Portero in Spanish quite literally means goalkeeper. So this guy, <laughs> this goalkeeper's last name is literally goalkeeper. I love him. I he was he was really good stepping up for Salah. And no, he, he was quite literally born for this. Yeah, you really only got one option in life, and that's your last name. <laughs> you have right? to be that if you're gonna if you're gonna play soccer, you have to you have to that position. 
I remember I saw it like when they first signed him in a recruiting class like a year or two ago. I remember like they had seen like goalkeeper uh, Lulo Portero on there. And I was like, his last name is quite literally goalkeeper. That's sensational. That is that is destiny right there for that guy to have been a D1 keeper. And he was really, really good. So I, I, I think the future is bright for this program. All right, so now we'll move down the road a little bit, go to Lincoln, talk about the other D1 program in the state, the Nebraska Cornhusker women's soccer team. Again, another season that, you know, I would say was fairly successful by most metrics. Overall, the team finished on the year, let me just pull this up here, with a record of 8-7-5, and five, and they finished 5-3-2 and two in a very competitive Big Ten conference, finished fourth overall. And they made it to the Big Ten semifinals, uh, where they fell to, I believe, number six in the country, Michigan State, by the thinnest of margins, just a 2-1 loss. Overall, they, like you said, they were like Creighton, one of those kind of bubble teams this year. Could have gone in, could have gotten, could have missed out, just depending on, you know, a few different bounces of the ball. Not a bad year for the Cornhuskers. Yeah, I think that... Nebraska spent a couple of years away from the national tournament. So I'm sure that's where they would want to be back to. Um, it's, it's cool to see their, their front line led by a Nebraska player. I mean, Sarah Weber was a phenomenal player in high school and club. And I think that sometimes people always wonder if it's going to translate to the college game, especially when they go to the high highest level they can. And even there was people in Nebraska who weren't sure if Sarah's game was. I mean, I don't, I didn't have any, I had seen her play enough. I knew she was going to be fine, but like, it's clearly translated. Like she still scores goals for fun at the, at the power five level for, for college soccer. Yeah. She was another one of those players who was named to one of the all region teams, finished her sophomore season with 10 goals, five assists. I mean, I feel like, I don't know why people are questioning, you know, she obviously, if she, as had been mentioned at one point on the podcast, if she had had her junior season and had the opportunity to rack up those stats, you could definitely say that she might go down as one of the best, you know, uh, girls soccer players in Nebraska prep history, you know, of course that was going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, she's done well at the next level. She's led a very competitive, very tough Nebraska squad. As a sophomore, I mean, that's, I think that just speaks to her ability. That's been evident since the beginning. Yeah. And there, there, Nebraska has a couple other um, players that are fun to to watch on their team. Eleanor Dale, who's an English international. Um, she's fun to watch up top. Um, obviously, they, obviously, they have Abby Schwarz, um, who is a Ron Colley grad, mm-hmm. um, who has become a big piece of their team. Um which has been fun to see for, I think, again, when, when Nebraska players are playing for Nebraska schools, whether it's the Cornhuskers, Creighton, or Omaha, I think it's just good for the game. So I always like, regardless of what school they're at or what team they're on, I always like to root and see those those Nebraska players succeed at Nebraska schools. Yeah, uh, it's, always, it's always more fun when you've got that local connection to cheer for. Yeah, and I mean, their leaders, I mean, like, like your leaders in points, Sarah Weber was their leader in points, followed by Eleanor Dale, um, and then Florence Belzile, I think mm-hmm. is how you say her last name. But then Abby Schwartz, Nebraska player, Reagan Robbie, Nebraska player, Lauren Anglum, Nebraska player, Haley Peterson, Nebraska player, Gwen Lane, Nebraska player, Emma Prasowski, Nebraska player. Like lots of Nebraskans on their roster, which is always fun to see. It feels like a long time ago, but if we remember back to like the very first exhibition game of the season when Nebraska played at Omaha, I mean, what? There were like 20-some Nebraska players, Nebraska prep players across both rosters. Yeah. 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 yeah Tim, Tim Walters sent me a text. Uh, he had counted them at one point. I'd have to go back and look, but it was a pretty incredible number, which was cool. Mm-hmm. So. And it was an exhibition game that got like a 1,000-plus people out there. So, I mean, yeah. obviously you can tell just in that number alone how much this means to the community so yeah. i mean, nebraska soccer they 
ended the season in fairly decent form. They got good wins over number 25 Ohio State in the quarterfinals of the Big East tournament. Beat them 4 nothing, which, you know, should have been a little bit of an eye-opener. And then right before that, though, they beat number 24 Penn State 4-2. So they, they, they found some momentum late in the season, and, you know, that's going to be something that you hope they can carry into 2023 next year. Yeah, and I think with uh, I think with all Division One programs on the men's and the women's side, something you can always watch out for is the trans like the transfer portal always gets a lot of public publicity for the you know the big tier one sports you know your football and basketball, but it also plays a heavy role in in soccer. I mean, oh, yeah. Syracuse on the men's side is a great example. Syracuse had a lot of transfers, like they were a lot of transfer students on that team. So like these teams that we just talked about could all look different next year yeah there are coaches out there trolling the transfer portal seeing who's available seeing who wants to you know earn that shot at starting a different program so yeah you'll never know how it's going to change now from one year to the next but uh yeah so that essentially kind of wraps up the d1 programs in the state all pretty decent years not a lot to complain about there varying levels of success but i think for all of them you got to feel good about the future and so now and I think, we'll just kind of. Hmm. I, I think the fun thing is, is with the three Division One women's programs, they all play a different style and brand of soccer. So, mm-hmm. like you can see, if you're a youth player or a soccer fan, you can go to eat any one of those three and see a different, different type of game, and and have some good from every one of them. Everyone has one a different positive, and I think it's the same thing with Omaha and Creighton men's program. You can go to either one and you see two different things, and both have positives to it. And I yeah. think that's good for development as well, because if you're only exposed to one brand, like if if this is just the way that you've always seen the game played, then that's how you're going to play typically on the pitch. And I think for the betterment of the development of players in this state, giving them the diversity of the different styles of play, seeing how different players can operate in different systems as well. I think it kind of gives you more of a variety and it kind of opens players' minds a little bit to the way, whether or not you want to play a more defensive style. It's like, it, it, it just, I think it makes better, well-rounded players, which I think is going to be good for the development of Nebraska, just our Nebraska soccer going forward. Yeah. 100% agree. And there's also, besides the D1 programs, plenty of opportunities to play in-state, play locally. It's not some really of, good sides for real some good sensational sides. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to touch on now. So now we'll look at the D2 programs moving down the ladder, I guess, as it were, a little bit, of which, of course, Nebraska has two. The UNK women's team, which I believe this was their first year, right, for their new head coach, right, Rob Rob, Rob Breton? Yeah, and I think, they're have, I think they're going through a little bit of a rebuild, but mm-hmm. – uh, I follow Rob on Twitter and he's constantly tweeting about, you know, new commitments that he's getting. I think he's gotten now two division one transfers for the, through the transfer portal. So like, again, we're going to see a different UNK side, I think next year already. And it'll be interesting to see how they, they compete. I mean, the MIAA is a super tough conference yeah. um, uh, to play in and recruit against. So um, yeah. I think, I think he'll turn some things around there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Unfortunately, you know, like the, obvious limitation with like us running Nebraska soccer talk is that we're all based in Omaha. We're not able to get there out to like, you know, a Hastings or UNK that often to go watch their programs. And we'd always love to give them more coverage and talk more about these teams, but you know, our information is limited, but from what I have seen, like the interactions with like Rob Breton on Twitter or what I've seen from him, he sounds like he is a very positive force for good on that team that he really wants to build something and that they could be moving in a positive direction going forward. Obviously, a little bit of a building year this year. Finished 0-15-3. Uh, tough season in the Mid-American Intercollegiate Athletic Association. But, again, new coach, new players coming in, new faces. You want to talk about hope for the future. I think UNK is, should be at least a little bit hopeful about next season. Yeah, and to still get those transfers in and to still – like with that new head coach getting the players in that that can turn this like turn the program around get the wins back on the column and everything i mm-hmm. i think it's a really good indication that you're getting those transfers in because you're getting people in who see promise in this program and, and can build this program and have belief and that's 
key, that is going to be key in the offseason to get the right people in. And, and I think so far, so good. And and I can't wait to see what UNK looks like next season. So we will be keeping an eye on the Lopers out west. Now we'll move to the other D2 program in the state, the Wayne State women's soccer team. Joe, this is a program that you've got some familiarity with. Uh, they finished yeah. the season 3-11-4, 3-9-3 in conference play. Let's talk about how they played a little bit or the kind of season that they had. Yeah. I mean, I think having been at Wayne state, it's, it's hard. Uh, I think having watched some of their games, they could have been anywhere from three wins to six wins just with how Mm -hmm. things bounce. And if they're at six wins, you're going to the con, you know, you're looking at the conference playoffs. Um, The hardest part about their conference is it's a huge conference. There's 16 teams in it. So you don't get a lot of non-conference games. You play three non-conference games and then, now you're now every game counts towards your record. You know, obviously the non-conference games count towards your record too, but you have to play 15 games in a row that all matter in your placement and it starts early. So like before September even hits, you're playing a, you're playing a game that like affects how, if you can get to the playoffs or not. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, coach Emily Hester is still doing a good job there. And, you know, I think no matter what happens during coaching transitions, um, it's just figuring out, like like Owen said, bringing in the players that vibe with you as a coach and, mm-hmm. and, and go towards the direction that you want to go towards. Um, I mean, my first two seasons as a head coach at Wayne State, I won four games each year. And then the, the, the last season I was there when we made the conference tournament, and we won six or seven games. So, like, yeah, sometimes it just takes a couple of years, and I wouldn't be surprised. They got a brand-new field. They got, like, turf and lights now. So it's cool to see oh, the – yeah, it's cool to see the investment there at, at the school. And they also use a high, they use a uh, high level uh, camera too now to capture games and for film analysis. So it's like, there's, there's investment there, which is exciting to see. And it's, it's again, good, good to see in Wayne America that, that they're investing in the soccer program. Yeah, the soccer game is growing in all different parts of the state. And yeah. I mean, also to Wayne State's credit, I mean, the conference they're in, I believe, is fairly difficult for D2. I mean, Minnesota State, Mankato, St. Cloud State, yeah. teams like that are all, like, perennial contenders. Yeah, Bemidji, Bemidji State Bemidji. was an Elite Eight team this year, I think, so. Yep, exactly. All teams that are usually very competitive. And, yeah, 16 teams. I wasn't aware it was that many. But yeah, it's huge. And the, road, and the road trips are brutal, man. Like, oh, my you gosh. Get on a, you get on a bus to go to Minot, North Dakota. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, North Dakota. Tough. Yeah, it feels like North Dakota outside right now. Yeah, it does. <laughs> a little bit of home for Joe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so that what do we got? Are we doing D3 or NAI next? We'll go to D3. Uh, we'll touch on that quickly since we have way less programs. We just have the one program in the yeah. D3 game, Nebraska Wesleyan. Uh, kind of interesting seasons for both the men's and women's team. We'll start with the men's first. Uh, they finished seven, eight, and three overall, four, two, and two in conference play, which was good enough for fifth in the American Rivers Conference. And they made it to the conference tournament semifinals, which I guess was the first time that it happened for them in five years. So they had some tough losses. They had some really big losses on their schedule. They had some really big wins. Uh, again, I wasn't able to see a ton of their games, but just kind of looking at their record, it sounds or looked like they had a really good offense and then their defense maybe needed to, you know, improve a little bit. I'm pretty sure a lot of their defenders are very young this season, so it sounds like there's some room for growth there. But overall, not a terrible season for the Prairie Wolves, kind of historic almost in a way is how it's been described. Yeah, yeah they... Go, go ahead, ahead. go ahead, go. So I was just wanting to point out the the strike partnership uh, for Nebraska Wesleyan men's side, Logan Lawrence and Alex Kaler, 14 goals and seven assists between the two of them. That's when you've got a strike partnership that, that, and, and forgive me if they are, Oh, they're actually both wingers and there's a player in the middle of the, like, however you, however those two play together to have two players, who each can score seven goals, one get four, one get three assists on the year, you're always within games if you have offensive capabilities like that. Though that having two different offensive threats, because when you look at some teams and they have one guy that puts up numbers and the rest of the teams just kind of 
to have multiple different outlets. If one's having a bad day, you can have another one step up and you know that he's equally as capable as finding the back of the net or unlocking a defense. So to have to have two different players put up numbers like that, I, I think is really good sign uh, of where they are offensively. Yeah, and, and the cool thing about Wesley, and um, before I obviously again another podcast interview that I had before I left Nebraska Soccer Talk. Uh, uh, you know they they have a lot of Nebraska kids on their team. I know you guys are I know you guys are uh, prep grads, but they have two two Scott two Scott grads that are doing good things. A couple Three Lincoln Southwest. I was gonna say, didn't the entire Scut team a couple of like last year or two years ago go to Westland? Yeah, like five of them did. So (laughs) there was like an entire like basically Scut's start like half their starting eleven went to Westland. I thought. Yeah, and which is which is cool. It's it's good to see that they have a you know a spot for these guys to play. So um, and you know uh, there's guys who did you know who played really well in their high school seasons, you know, like, you know, you had Jake, Jake Garcia who played for West side mm-hmm. last spring was a major part of them. You know, he moved over to Wesley and like, that's a good pickup for them too. Um, yeah. So, the yeah. roster is almost kind of like a who's who of recent, like, you know, Nebraska prep standouts in the midfield. You got Eli Rhodes who obviously, you know, his heroics with his last second. Yeah, never, for, never forget. <laughs> exactly. That's a name that, you know, will always be known in Nebraska soccer history. Uh, his partner in the midfield, Johnny Lee, the three Scott players from that great, great Scott team that won in 2021. And then, yeah, just a lot of different standouts there on this Wesleyan yeah. team, which is always cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess we'll just move over then real quickly. We'll talk about the Nebraska Wesleyan women's side real quick. They finished with a record of six, nine, and one. And they were two and six in conference play, which was good enough for seventh in the American Rivers Conference, uh, which unfortunately, though, meant they just missed out on the playoffs. Uh, Not a bad year for them. I mean, it started out well. Then they had four straight losses to end the season, but that was just some tough competition. And I will say I'm a little confused by the website because on the stats page, they have 23 people listed on there. But on the actual roster page, they only have 15. So I'm not sure if they were shorthanded and need to bring up like reserve players or how that worked. But uh, yeah, just an interesting season, I'm sure, for the Nebraska Wesleyan women's team. Yeah. It sure. was always my dream when I was at UNO. That was always my dream when I was a student. They they had players go down with illness or injury, and they like called up random students or like from the quote unquote reserves. I good you're for the, those Wesleyan girls if they did get called up. You were ready to be. Always, the, you were ready. To I be was the, always waiting for the call from Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, third string UNO keeper Owen Godberson. <laughs> that That's joke. generous. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know. Your time was – it could have come. You never know. I was, wait, I was waiting on the day. I was starting for club. I was just waiting for the day Ugo Trits like, ah, I cannot get for – I have the flu. Uh, if only. But, yeah, so Nebraska Wesleyan women's team uh, obviously missed on the playoffs. But, again, uh, their roster is almost entirely Nebraska players, which is even cooler to see, uh, just kind of what they're able to do with that. Uh, Nebraska Wesleyan, obviously, just it's a good landing spot for any prep players who want a shot to play in college, play at a competitive program, play in a very competitive conference. So we will, of course, continue to keep an eye on those two teams. So now we'll move on to the NAIA programs, and that is where we have the most programs in the state. So real quick, I'm just going to list all of them off, say their record, say how they finished, and then we can just kind of discuss about the different teams, some of their achievements, some of their players. So first off, we have the Bellevue University team. The men's team finished 7, 11, and 3. They were 3-2 and two in conference play, which was fourth in their conference. They were able to win their conference championship, though. And so because of that, they made it to the NAIA tournament, where they lost in the first round. The women's team, similar season, although they have a much better record. They finished 13-4-2, 5-0 in conference play and won the conference tournament, also made it to the first round of the NIA tournament, also lost in the first round. Moving on to Concordia. 
the men's team finished with a record of 15, three and three and were eight, one and 12, which was second in the very competitive great plains athletic conference. They won the tournament uh, and they made it to the first round of the NAI tournament where like the Bellevue programs, unfortunately they lost in the first round. The women's team for Concordia finished 10, six and two, five, five and two in conference play. And it looks like, I believe they also still managed to win their conference tournament and also make it to the tournament or the NAIA tournament. Uh, moving on to Doan now, uh, a little bit of a down year for the men's team. Finished 2-14-2 and 2-7-2, which was 10th in the Great Plains Athletic Conference. So no postseason for them. Women's team was 8-9-2. And they finished their conference season with a 5-6-1 record, which was eighth in the Great Plains Conference, which was good enough to get them in as the last seed for the GPAC quarterfinals. Good season for both the Hastings men and women's team. The men's team finished with a record of 16-2-2, finished conference play 10-0-1 undefeated, and they were first, of course. But they did lose in the postseason to Concordia in the tournament final for the GPAC. And they did make it to the second round of the NAIA tournament. Then the women's team finished 15-3-3, which is good enough for third in the Great Plains Athletic Conference. And they also won the GPAC, uh, but finished as, sorry, made it to the first round of the NAIA where they lost. Then we had Midlands, also out of the GPAC, finished 10-5-5 on the men's side, 5-3-3 in conference play. They made it to the semifinals of the GPAC postseason tournament before losing. The women's team, 10-6-4, and 7-3-2 in conference play, which was fourth in the Great Plains Athletic Conference, made it to the GPAC semifinals. Almost done here. College of St. Mary's, their women's team, of course, that's all they've got. Record 8-8-2, eight, eight finished conference play 5-6-1, just missed out on the postseason as they finished ninth in the GPAC. And finally, our last NAIA team, York. The men's team finished 6-6-7. Six, six, and seven. They finished 4-3-6 and six in the Kansas Conference and made it to the Kansas Conference quarterfinals. The women's team had a little bit of a tough year. Their final record was 1-15-1. In conference play, they were 1-11. And they finished 12th in the conference final. And brief. Okay. <laughs> Well done, Jackie boy. Good job, Jack. That's right. That's right. That was a lot of numbers. Very much so. So you, obviously, you when, when I used to do the recap, I used to do like seventeen different takes because I get it wrong all the time. <laughs> yeah, one take, Jack. just rolling right through, rolling with the hits. Um, I guess a couple. I have some quick thoughts, and I'll let then I'll let you guys go. Um, I'm gonna leave Bellevue mostly to Owen because I know he loves the Bruins. Um, but I will say the one my one fun story from Bellevue is uh Jimena uh Yarge who was uh their honorable mention all-american she played on the summer club team uh from through Gretna Elite Academy and I remember talking to her because she's a transfer um and she hadn't played at Bellevue and she's like I'm I'm kind of nervous because I don't know if I'm going to be up to the level and I was like now you'll and after watching her play in summer league, I'm like oh you'll be more than fine and there's more than fine was an understatement she had a really good year um concordia cool to see the both their teams get it done in the tournament um obviously the concordia women's coach uh just left for a spot in like usa futsal oh, really? um, so they're going to be looking for a new coach um i really am rooting for doan men um i i interviewed uh coach odoricio um a while back he's a creighton alum good dude i want to see them you know hopefully do better i think a cool story Two is the women's programs, both at College of St. Mary's and at Doan. Um, you know, at, at times, historically, the GPAC is, pro is a fairly big conference that stretches outside of Nebraska. But Doan and uh, College of St. Mary's have historically, like, you know, not been maybe as strong. But, like, now recently, like, both of them coming up and not being basement teams anymore is awesome to see. Um uh Hastings good as good as usual both yep, men's and new there. um yeah I don't really know anything about York 
I haven't known anything about York in my <laughs> time in Nebraska. I, yeah, they don't get a lot of coverage, which I guess is what we're here to talk about. Yeah, I don't know what uh, I don't know what are your guys' thoughts on those teams. Yeah, uh, first off, obviously Hastings, great season for them for both programs. They are one of those historical, just kind of perennial powerhouses in NAIA. Uh, I want to give a shout out to. Their head coach. Um, let's just see. Let me pull him up real quick. Cole Poppin. Uh, I'm got to assume that he's probably one of the youngest head coaches in the, the Nebraska college game right now. He graduated from Drake University in 2019. It's his second year at the helm of the Hastings Broncos, and they have, I believe, made it to the postseason in both years and had really good winning records in both seasons. So with, with it being in the with it being the NAI, he might have players that are the same age as him. <laughs> exactly. I was just thinking that know. same thing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of an interesting dynamic there, then, if that's the case. Yeah. What do you know, Gaffer? I'm older than you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So you know, I assume that'll be one to watch. Hastings is always always very very competitive. You know, they they always get good talent. Um, Diego Gutierrez was going to go to Hastings before he went to UNL. So imagine, you know, in a different Callum world. Callum Watson from Creighton was at Hastings before he transferred over there. Exactly. So, so always some deep talent on that team. Uh, Owen, you want to talk about Bellevue a little bit? Just kind of how they did this year. I would absolutely love to. I've got a soft spot for the Bruins uh, from, from my time broadcasting for them a couple of years ago. And, I I was astonished when I was looking at the Bellevue University roster this year that uh, former English or former Bellevue Bruins goalkeeper and Englishman AJ Jarvis was not still between the posts because it felt like that man played seven years of college soccer. It just felt like <laughs> it felt like every single year I would see something on Twitter about AJ Jarvis being like a really good goalkeeper for Bellevue, and I'm like, he's still there. My God. <laughs> but I was looking. They do have a they they do have a young up and coming crop of goalkeepers. Uh, the freshman that played uh, nineteen starts for them on the year, Romeo Paparesta, with nineteen starts and seventy seven percent save percentage. As as a freshman goalkeeper, it's really good. There's yeah. some really good attacking talent in, in the NAIA across all conferences, and especially the teams that Bellevue play year in and year out. So to have to have a freshman between your sticks and play that well, I, I think that bodes well for them as a program. And then the men's side, uh, like to 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 win the title, they're usually in and amongst it when it comes to the postseason in, in their conference. But for the women's team, for Tom White to get the trophy and for Bellevue to do the double on the year, the men's and the women's both ending as conference champs and, and go into the NAIA tournament was sensational. Tom White, fantastic guy. I remember when he first took over the program and you could just see right away, that he was getting this team to believe in themselves and to play, to play really, really well. And I'm thoroughly impressed and I could not be happier to, to see the success that Bellevue had this year and long may it continue. Go Bruins, baby. Yeah. yeah the famous, famous Bellevue Bruins, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> and then I guess before we, before we go community colleges, Iowa Western women's team, national champions, Jack's Jack, that's your employer. Sales up, baby. <laughs> uh, men's team, solid year again. They have some local mm-hmm. talent. Um, and then Northeast Community College women, back to the national tournament for the second year in a row. Really? Chad Miller, him and I got to know each other fairly well when I was up at Wayne State because we would scrimmage against each other sometimes. Um, he, he basically started that program um, and has been crushing it. So, like, it's cool to see, you know, Two JUCO programs within a hundred mile radius of each other, both able to be successful, is is a good thing for our community. So. Yeah, uh, I especially want to hit on like, you know, obviously they're not technically in Nebraska, but Iowa Western, really, really successful JUCO program over there, with a lot of local talent. You know, we'll allow past- it. We'll allow it exactly. I mean, look at the roster they had this year. They had uh, Junior Casillas out of Lexington, Wawa Palga and Luka Nedich out of Omaha South on the men's team, of course. Uh, Oliver Benson from Bennington, Edwin Cisneros also from Omaha South, Kevin Bessarillo Sanchez from Omaha South. I mean, it's just a roster that was lousy with local talent. And it's literally, it, like, 
how 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 Owen said that about Scott's team. Mm-hmm. And you kind of said it's like a who's who. That's a little bit of how yeah. Iowa Westerns. I mean, like if you were if you're a high school if you were a high school soccer fan, right? And you were watching some you watched the last couple of years, and I read off that list of players. You'd be like, yeah, I wish I could have all those guys on one team. Well, now they are. <laughs> now they are, and they're performing very well at this level with those players. Uh, the women's team a little bit different, a little bit more, I guess you could say, of an international flavor on their roster, but they do have some local talent, both from Omaha and in Council Bluffs. Uh, I think the main standout this year, of course, though, was Hannah Shimmer, formerly of Council Bluffs' Abraham Lincoln. Uh, she put up crazy good numbers for the Lynx last season, and she just kept doing it at the college game. She had 20 goals, 30 assists this season, just crazy good numbers as Iowa Western won their second-ever women's soccer national championship. So really just some standout players from the metro area going on and doing good things with that program. Yeah. Definitely, you know, and obviously, you know, we'll talk about the draft later at some point. Two players going in the first two rounds from Iowa Western. A lot of talent coming out of there. Yeah, Creighton had two. Uh, Western had two. Creighton obviously had a someone sign. Cole Jensen, who is not who plays from, for Xavier, I think. Yes, drafted in the first round. He's a sporting, former Sporting Omaha, former Council Bluff High School player. Like so, it's good. Good day to be a or good day, good year, good week as always to be a Omaha soccer fan. Absolutely. And I think kind of, you know, one thing we should touch on real quick, the point is with these, you know, NAIA, D2, D3 programs, college, community college, you can get started and go be successful anywhere. You know, I know it's fun seeing like the D1 names get signed, but there's talent, of course. And we said this many times, just wherever you go, as long as you can go to college and get paid sometimes to go to college and play soccer, I mean, that is a gift and you shouldn't really, you know, I guess, turn up your nose at any offer potentially because it's how lucky are you to be able to get that opportunity? Exactly. And some of the some of the best players I've ever seen have been at the NAIA level. One of one of the greatest strikers I've ever seen in Yaki Aldo. NAIA level and that he was clinical as a finisher. So. Yeah, like you were saying, if, if you get the opportunity to play D2, D3, NAIA, you are lucky. You you obviously worked your tail off for it and, and be proud of that, but be proud of where you play at because for so, so many people, that co- playing college soccer was, was a dream. And yeah, to, don't turn your nose up at any of those offers and hold your head up high if you do get the chance to play for some of these programs because great fans great players, great coaches, and great communities that they represent. Yeah. Well, it was a fun college soccer season this fall of 2022. Uh, hopefully, we can continue to expand our coverage of all the teams across the state. It's not always the easiest. You know, we work day jobs outside of this. This is just a small part of our lives, unfortunately. But we're just happy to be able to just even be around these teams in any capacity. So for Nebraska Soccer Talk, this has been myself, Jack Hoover, alongside Owen Godberson, and special guest, of course, Joe Cleary. 